Josh, I feel like, you know, even though you're probably in the, like the early stages of trying to figure this stuff out, you have to have had some band names come to mind, right? Plus, I feel like half the time you make a comment on this show, and then you're like, you know what, that would be a good band name. <laughs> oh, you got well, to start okay, going so, back and figuring this shit out. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that, because I have not really serviced my Tumblr accounts in years. <laughs> But Do you just have like yeah, a running I, list I of band to, names somewhere. I, yeah, no, yeah, I did. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, th- I think I even mentioned it on this show like a long time ago that I, I stole, I stole the joke that you comment on something you hear as, oh yeah, that was my band in high school. When you hear like a phrase, I think I stole that from Kevin Smith years ago. I, I started a Tumblr <laughs> so that I would like write them down if things occurred to me. Um, nice. I don't I don't have the dates on these so I could not tell you how old these are but here's like the quick like most recent 5 or 6 Blow dart in my butt cheek Okay that's good yep Sentient coconut creatures <laughs> I think both of those came from Moana <laughs> Okay Uh oh this is great this Okay this this is a really good one Swimming in bitches <laughs> <laughs> the story behind that is great and for like the three people who know that paula jen i hope you hear this episode and i hope this makes it in somewhere i'm gonna have to put um, it in now the moldy fossils the bagel factory oh the bagel factory oh i like that uh, king of the wieners and the dick trees <laughs> uh let's see not a freight elevator <laughs> So Brian, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually I I kid you not, I completely forgot about this this Tumblr. See? You're already halfway there. Yeah, we got we got well there's a well, there's a lot more than okay, so if you're really bored, listeners, find the Tumblr account. Is Tumblr still a thing? Like do people <laughs> I, still Yeah, yeah, it still exists. You I mean I'm looking at it, link. so I know it does, but is that thing people still utilize? So search my band in high school, all one word, on Tumblr and follow me. <laughs> there you go. I finally have something to plug. Welcome to another episode of Bright Guy and the Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is someone who has added Jet Ski to their Christmas list for this year, Josh Zorch. Who doesn't love a jet ski? I don't trust a person who doesn't love a jet ski. Uh, next up, we got someone who comes to the podcast burdened with glorious purpose, Mike Bradley. An ant has no quarrel with a boot. <laughs> are, we, are we the ant or the boot in that scenario? I, I I mean we're kind of a team, so I kinda wanna say we're um the boot. Okay. I don't know good. who the ant is, but I was gonna I was about to say the we're listeners. Gonna step on but, somebody tonight. Yeah, I was that's, about to say the the, the the ant is the listeners, but that's not the right message I want to send to the people listening to the show. We love you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Some of them <laughs> might want stepped me. on, you don't know. <laughs> that's yeah, I don't know what kind of fetishes everyone's into. Um all right, so as we promised uh for a while now, but we're finally getting around to talking about Loki which was the latest Marvel series on Disney Plus. So we're talking about it probably I feel like it's like been a month since this ended and we're finally getting around to recording this. 
mm-hmm. coincidentally, on the same day that the new Marvel series premieres. Uh, so What If is starting today. So mark today on the calendar. We'll see how long before we loop back around to talking about What If. See if it if we get to it like a month late like we did this one too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Loki is the third Marvel Studios series to come to Disney Plus to tell further adventures of the characters up from the MCU that we're familiar with. Uh, Lo- Loki is also the first series, I think, to confirm that it's getting a second season. Uh, WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier have yet to officially announce that they are coming back for a second season. So we don't know where those stories are going to go. Where they're going to pop up next? Uh, the end credits scene for Loki. All it basically did is said season two is coming. So officially announced it's where it's happening. We don't know when, but it's coming. Or wait, did it give a date? Now I can't remember. Did they give at least like no. a year or anything? They just I said think season they did, two like, is the Loki will return. Okay, like, yeah, that was pretty much okay. Uh, the series itself was created by Michael Waldron, who is credited as writing all six episodes, along with uh, Bisha K. Ali, Alyssa Karasik. And Eric Martin, series was directed by Kay Heron, brings back Tom Hiddleston as Loki, adds Owen Wilson to the growing list of actors in the MCU. Uh, I could go on further with the cast, but I won't because some of it's spoilery. So we're going to sort of spin it out of there. So leading into that with the spoilers, I think now is probably the perfect time to throw out the spoiler warning. So I'm assuming anyone that has listened to this has already watched the series. But just in case, if you have not finished Loki yet and quite frankly, are not caught up with the MCU as a whole, because who knows where we're going to go with this conversation, uh, you might want to pause this now, come back after you've caught up. From this point forward, we'll be discussing spoilery details for the series, so listen at your own risk. Final warning, warning spoilers to follow. Spoiler! Spoiler! You know, something like that. Alright, so we're free to talk about whatever, and as far as like the spoilery stuff goes, I figured it'd just be easier to go through this series chronologically, since we're sort of covering the whole series now that it's finished. Um, I was telling these guys, I'm sort of going to try to go like episode one, and then I'm going to give a little bit of a summary for what happened in that episode, and then we'll sort of break that down and talk about that and go on to the next one. So, kicking off for episode one. So, my little summary. uh, Loki gets captured by the TVA, the Time Variance Authority. But this isn't the Loki we've seen lately. This is an alternate version of Loki from the first Avengers movie, right after the invasion of New York that just so happens to grab the Tesseract during a failed time heist mission and disappears. Now we get to see what happens next. So after being captured by the TVA and subsequently trying to escape, we meet Owen Wilson's Mobius, who shows Loki what his life was supposed to be and then asks for his help in catching a murderous variant, another Loki. So what did we think of episode one of Loki? I guess... I would say I felt like it was a good start to a series. It was a good episode Mm. to open a new series where we didn't really know what was going to happen, but it was extremely intriguing to see where they were going with it when they're like, oh, look, we're going to send you to capture another Loki. And they set things up very well. Yes. Which I think actually all the Marvel series have done. Like, the first episodes have done really good. Well, I guess aside from WandaVision, because WandaVision was just so fucking crazy, we didn't know what the hell was going on in the first episode. But, True. like, I think Falcon and Winter Soldier set the stage pretty well, too. And I think this one did a very good job also. Yeah. Agreed. And and, and I think it was a smart thing for them to take the, the, the character. Because it, it, it doesn't matter at this point that, like, which incarnation in the timeline is this Loki it's tom hiddleston to us yeah he is the loki so putting him like fish out of water immediately in a situation he doesn't have control over he's not familiar with he lacks 
power, he lacks influence, taking away, effectively, immediately, all the stuff that we've come to learn are his greatest strengths and his best tools, um, was a good way, I think, to lay out a dynamic that we could cling to. Because now now he's in a completely different place and world and circumstance than we're used to. Yeah. So now that's interesting. How is he going to deal with it? How is he going to react? You know, if he had just gone right back into immediately a, a setting that we're familiar with him being in, it might not have been, have been as engaging initially. Well, I do think it's, it's worth noting what sort of, like, version of the character we get in this show. Like, because... Mm-hmm. The version we get from the first Avengers movie is very different from where Loki ends up in, say, like, you know, Infinity War and Endgame. Like, that's, he's almost turned anti-hero at that point. Like, in Avengers, he is a villain. Straight up villain. And to take that point of him, and when he shows up at the TVA, he's still just trying to push people around and be the, the badass villain that he thinks he is meant to be. And the way that episode, and Mobius specifically, just cuts him down that entire episode is fantastic like they get to heart to the heart of loki as a character in the mcu in 30 minutes yeah agreed that the the whole sequence where they just confront him with look if you hadn't exited where you came from yes here just point blank here's the, the rest of your trajectory right and guess what it's actually not very long yeah here's all the stuff you do in between you accidentally you try to kill your brother several times you accidentally get your mother killed in the pursuit of one of those attempts yeah you double cross you do all these things you still never get what it is you think you're after do you even know what you think you're after and here's your you know uh uh, basis sentiment as his you know as as he says in avengers your basis sentimentality here it is in front of you and it all comes you know it all culminates in what almost nothing yeah and even like tom hiddleston acts the shit out of a couple of those scenes like the one specifically (laughs) that i can think of is when he is faced with the video of witnessing his mother's death Mm -hmm. like he's he that character has not lived that he's just watching it happen on a screen and the way it hits him and you can see it affecting him and how he his character even just turns just from that is like holy hell, dude! I I love this character and I love what you're doing here, and I'm so glad the show exists. Same, and and this is kind of jumping to the end a little bit with with some general thoughts, but I I wasn't sure going into this if I I I kind of felt like Endgame, not even Endgame. I thought Infinite uh Infinity War was a very good poetic way to for him to finish. Yeah. And the way that he went out served the story purpose in that moment that it meant to and had yeah. the desired effect that it was meant to. So by this point, I was thinking, okay, yeah, I get it. Everyone loves Loki. I do too. But do we really need more? By the end, I was definitely like, okay, when is season two? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike, you got anything else you wanted to dig into for episode one? Um, I mean, other than just immediately liking Owen Wilson's character, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which Owen Wilson just kind of has that ability. He's very charismatic, 
in most of the roles he plays. He's very good at, like, two things. Being really likable or really annoying. Mm. He, he somehow is, like... He, I don't want to say it's unique, but it kind of is. Because I can't think of a lot of other actors that can pull off both so well. Yeah. When he's supposed to be one or the other, he really manages it. And, yeah. It, it was just that instant, like, oh, I like this guy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And not really knowing exactly where it was going to go, which we'll get into, of course, but... Yeah, it was a good introduction for that character. Yeah, I think the you know the dynamic between those two characters is really fun, and you get it right off the bat. Like the mm-hmm. the two play yeah. off each other so well that you just want to see that the entire series. Like, just give me all of the scenes of them together the entire time. I honestly would not be surprised if there's like a buddy movie made out of these. Two. <laughs> like, not even like the characters, just Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson go off and do a movie. Take my money. Like, I, I, I yeah. want yes. I, I will go watch this. I don't know what it's going to be, but I want to watch it. There was a discussion uh, that they kind of did like a week by week discussion and recap and whatnot. And especially after the first episode and and, and then those types of encounters sort of continue. There's a lot that this show especially was way more people sitting down dialogue heavy than I ever would have expected it to be. Yeah. And there was a, a, you know, discussion on Kevin Smith's show about like this, this, it was almost, I think he said like, this was as if I decided to write a Loki show (laughs) because that's what he does. He puts people like across the table from each other. Yeah. Just bullshitting for like 20 minutes. And that's That's... what some of those extended, you know, stretches felt like. And, and, And it pulls off really well. Yeah, the whole interrogation with with Loki and Mobius when he's just mm-hmm. breaking them down and cutting to the the core of Loki, like that's the majority of the episode, and that's like Josh said, the two of them across the table from each other talking, like I was into it the whole time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's other episodes where the talking doesn't hook me as much, and we'll get to them when we get there. But this one, I think, te- did it for me. I was on board with this one. I'd agree. Like the series itself was very exposition heavy. Like, it had a lot of this throughout the whole thing because it needed to explain a lot of what was going on because it was entirely new ideas they were introducing to the viewers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Other than Loki, everything that we see in this is new. Yeah. You you know, so... Yeah. They had to do a lot of that, and I agree with Brian. Like, this episode did extremely well with it. I think it's the best first episode they've put together so far mm. in terms of, I guess, like, the way I look at a first episode is how much did I want to watch the next one? Yeah. And I feel like this one hooked you into that next episode more than the others did. Yeah, um, I think I'd agree. Yeah. And I think it does that with the dialogue. It connects you back to Loki. It manages to take you from the villainous Loki back to a more likable version of the character. And then it manages to leave you on a cliffhanger essentially yeah um yeah and i i I think it was just excellent just all around like uh what'd you guys think of the uh like the aesthetic of the tva like it's it's not what i expected for like a, a time bureau agency type of thing no not at all that's actually you kind of almost read my mind that's where i was going to go next um i over the course of the whole series, I now find myself wishing that they had kind of 
set up scenarios at least that would make you like maybe maybe you would find our characters in different uh i don't say offices but different areas of the tva departments departments yeah to see like other things that they do like both from the mundane desk work pencil pusher stuff to you know any more of the technical stuff the records the um uh, uh, the tactical team, like all those sorts of things, but aesthetically yeah. and like from a design standpoint, I actually really liked it because it didn't distract you from the the production design. It didn't, yeah. you know, you, you were looking at your characters interact with their environment rather than oh, let me look around at that cool futuristic or off the wall looking thing because this is a time authority. <laughs> you know, they kept it as boring, almost uh of a design as as possible but it worked yeah it's a weird archaic futuristic blend that almost feels like the jetsons and yet like past jetsons like i I don't know how to describe it it's weird like i felt like it was a mix a little bit of like some of the aesthetics they used with dr strange um just in some of like the effects yeah they had because of some of those wide angle shots of things that were just so mind-bogglingly mundane but numerous you know yeah. I mean? like you, you get to look out over the whole tva thing at one point and it's like that is just the most boring gigantic place i've ever seen <laughs> because it just looks like this i guess it's meant to be 60s era offices yeah i'd say yeah the somewhere aesthetic there. Yeah. is going for there and it's just an endless stretch of that yeah um was it this episode where the Infinity Stones are just in a drawer. I was going to bring that up. Like, how do you guys feel about the worthless Infinity Stones? Because I've seen, like, the internet went crazy, I feel like, at that point. Like, basically, the whole 25-movie slate of the MCU is like, this was this fucking worthless now we get here and they don't even matter? <laughs> no, I, 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 I love that they just had them in a drawer. Like, yeah. They're like, yeah. oh, yeah, those, like, they're just paperweights, and Loki just looks like... And that's part of what his character needed to go through. They needed to break him down where he realizes that he does not give a sh- Like, no one gives a shit about him. Everything that he yeah. has come to this place carrying doesn't matter. Well, and plus, since they don't... Since, since this place exists outside of those universes, it's the, 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 those objects don't carry any value. They don't yeah. have powers they don't have abilities they don't do anything so therefore nobody cares about them because they can't do anything for anybody yeah right and and to to use something that yeah like you said we just spent you know previously 11 years over all those films building that saga toward and have that massive conclusion over to show easily that contrast that this group of people their mission, their priorities, you know, and, and how the person that we're mainly following through this is going to interact with those priorities. Um, you know, you couldn't have picked anything to, to draw that contrast any greater. Yeah. yeah and, and I think it also helps set up just how serious a threat whatever he's dealing with at the TVA is. We'll get to it when we talk about the later episodes. Mm-hmm. But it sets up that, like, okay, we just dealt with Thanos. That was a whole thing. The Infinity Gauntlet, that was a whole thing. And now, as a universe, in order to hook people in to another stretch of movies and 
information and shows and whatever to watch. It, I hate to say it this way, but it's a power creep where you have yeah. to have that initial step up of like, how are we going to top Thanos? Somebody who can snap his fingers and end half the universe if he wants to, or even if he wanted to, all of it, if he chose to. Because that was the goal in Endgame, mm-hmm. was he was going to just snap everything out of existence. So, where do we go from there? Well, we go to people that those things mean nothing to, because they exist outside the realm of that, and it sets up just a whole different reason to take the threat seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever the threat might be, and you don't know at this point. So it, I think that alone sets up a really good stage to introduce what we find out later. Yeah. 100%. I, I would say just to cap off episode one, I, um, I think one of my other favorite moments of that episode, aside from the big hitters uh, that was just sort of fun, was his whole panicked uh, behavior when they first process him and he has to walk through the one office with the lane ropes just go back and basically forth like and back the dmv yes like yeah. anyone's personal and, hell and then he you know <laughs> and then he's he's bitching and moaning the whole time but then he sees the the one person get pruned and he panics digging <laughs> through his uh jumpsuit for his you know my my ticket i'm next in line the last note that i was going to bring up too is right in line with this is that tom hiddleston's comedic timing in this episode is fucking fantastic between yes. that scene and the one after that where he has to go through like the metal detector thing that may fry you if you're a robot <laughs> and he suddenly questions whether or not he's a robot. Like that whole yeah, bit that was... add me. Wait, am I a robot? Hold on. <laughs> well, and, I don't know if I want to go he, through this. He got the ability to shine a little bit with that on Ragnarok, but right. he yeah. was the foil to Chris Hemsworth's ability to be the comedic person he could play off of him he could create scenarios he could be a part of it but he was not the one being funny yeah he was not the one you know he always had to be the counterbalance the reaction the compliment etc and he that that part of him really got to come through in this series yeah like mike mentioned you know the buddy the buddy comedy or the buddy movie with like him and owen wilson like i would i would love to see tom hiddleston just a straight-up comedy just to see what he does you know, I bet that I'm sure that exists somewhere. I don't, has he done because one? He's done I don't think he's that done I've one. Ever At least not that I know of. I can but I can it, only it, think, picture him in like dramatic roles. I'd have to I, really again, if, if he has, I haven't seen it, but I'd have to look at like an IMDb page and look up stuff. Yeah, because right. he's done horror movies that, right? You know, I never knew existed, but. As a counterpoint, in Ragnarok, I think he does get a chance to shine as not just a foil, though. Okay. Um, you know, his interactions with... Um, is he the Grandmaster? I guess, yeah. The yeah. Grand, like, the Grandmaster when the Hulk shows up. Right. Um, his interactions, even with just Thor, uh, you know, when they're talking about get help. And... Just so on down the line, like it's. I feel like he does get his chances there to shine comedically, and he nails it. I think everybody in that movie nailed their comedic chances, but I, I feel like he got his shot and he did well with it. Fair enough. Uh, all right, so we'll move on to episode two. So episode two of the series, uh, Loki begins working with Mobius and the TVA to track down the variant. 
After doing some research, Loki figures out how the variant is hiding. They have been moving around and disappearing in different apocalypses. So Mobius, Loki, and some of the TVA Minutemen travel to 2050 to catch the variant. And that's when we learn that the Loki variant is female. And as she retreats, Loki follows, and that's where the episode ends. So, episode two, what'd you think, Josh? We'll start with you. Uh, this is probably the one that I, at this point, remember the least about. Um, but I did like, again, this is going to sound weird, but I, I, I liked the aspects of the beginning of the episode where they're kind of doing the boring... Uh, like bureaucratic research side yeah. of it, and the like, let's who done it, let's figure it out kind of stuff. And I and I I wish they would have peeled back the layers within the TVA more. Yeah. To bef- like before getting to some of those answers, or or shown us their capabilities of, of how they could follow the breadcrumbs a little bit more. Um, I, I just think from a creative standpoint and and what you could put in front of people, um, I would I would have liked to see what people what the creators could have done yeah to uh to 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 put that on screen um i don't think i really had any strong feelings about the i i uh, about the reveal of sylvie but it was i think it would have been strange i think it would have been a little bit boring to have a direct um quote like alternate version of tom hiddleston playing another version of loki right i mean not only would it have been difficult to film for the rest of the series doing all that stuff but you know fine throw throw a wrench in it mix things up i I was i was cool with everything I mean, up until that reveal, so, I was still thinking that Loki was going to, like, Loki was misdirection. Like, they were convinced it was a Loki, but I was waiting for it to be something or someone else. So, I, I suppose we can, like, talk about later stuff in the series, right? Uh, At this point, like, we can mention it. I yeah, guess. we'll just try to try to save the, the specific dive-deep discussion until we get to that point in the story. Right, so what I would say about Sylvie being revealed as the Loki causing all the trouble. I don't necessarily, even still, think that she's actually a Loki. Um, Because, in this instance, everything we have says that's the only female version of Loki that exists. Yes. Hmm. Okay. And... I feel like there's a very good chance that she's actually the Enchantress, because they use that term quite a lot. They do. So I think there's a possibility... And I, that, I had thought that too, You know, and the only wrinkle with that is they use the Enchantress in quote-unquote the MCU. I'm saying quote-unquote the MCU, because it's still unclear if this fucking show is part of it or not, but she's in <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I can't speak to whether or not that counts or not to the current MCU. Because I think um, she showed up early, like, in the first season, which is when they were really yeah. cross-promoting it as, like, it's all connected and stuff. And mm-hmm. by season three, they were like, fuck you, we don't care anymore. <laughs> uh, so it, I feel like she was in, because Sif was part of that episode, too. Sif came to hunt down the, Enchan- the Enchantress. Okay, that was that one. All right. Yeah. So, And, that, and I guess that could complicate 
this theory, but I I feel like they're not really acknowledging it a whole lot. And that's the thing. I think the people that, so, like Josh and I have watched the show, we give a shit about what happened in these characters. The majority of people that like the MCU are not giving a crap or have watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so no one knows that character exists. So it's very easy to write them off and just say, okay, this is this is our version of Enchantress now. Or, because she did come from another universe, it could just be that universe's version of Enchantress. Yeah, that and Enchantress being Enchantress, it could just be that when she appeared before, she was enchanting people to look how she looked. Yeah. I mean, but whatever the case, yeah, there is pos- lots of possible excuses for it. Yeah, there's ways to break on it for sure. Yeah. But I could definitely see this being... She's not actually Loki. Or, yeah, like, she's not actually a Loki. I mean, unless they spin it like you want the best of both worlds, where she starts as a version of Loki, calls herself Sylvie, and eventually brings up... Like, you know, if if theoretically somehow the multiverse is set back right and and Sylvie and Loki exist in the same timeline or multiverse, whatever you want to call it, maybe right. she just adopts the name Enchantress instead of Sylvie, like just changes the moniker. Or perhaps Loki's um, origin as uh, a Jotun comes back on her and she is Loki, but she was not actually a Loki because she was not a Jotun. She was somehow the Enchantress and Odin took her as a child. You, you get what I'm saying? Like it, Twisting it is instead of being a, a the child that Odin takes on as Loki in her universe. Uh, so he just like plucked her from a different race or planet and called her Loki and stuck her in the family. Right. And, okay. But she's actually the Enchantress. Yeah, I got you. So she she lived as Loki. She believes she's the same as all the other Lokis, but she's not. Yeah. Um, the only other note I sort of had for episode two, and this I it was something I was hoping they were going to address, but they they never did. So the culmination of episode two ends with them in like the the Walmart looking thing. Uh, Sylvie's yeah, trying to do her grand plan of like she has all these like pruning grenades. And somehow sends, you see the sequence, she sends a whole bunch of these grenades through portals that start to theoretically, or or I guess we're left to assume, start to prune different timelines wherever they were transported to. We see the TVA looking at the timeline and seeing all the branches that are forming, and they look like this is a big fucking deal. And then she retreats, Loki follows, the episode ends, and it's never addressed again what the fuck that just did. I agree. I felt the same way, and it was just kind of like a, well, they fucked that one up. Yeah, by the time you get back to the TVA, it's like they they fixed the problem. Well, how? What did it do? Like, I thought that was going to be the multiverse spinning out of control was whatever the hell she did. But nope, it's fine. Everything's fine. I feel like that's the rare slip up in continuity that, you know, like it just, why would you show that and then not pay off on it in some way? Yeah, well, they, so they did a they did a good enough job with the deflection because I didn't remember that at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it also yeah. helps, like you know, if you're not rewatching it and you're like going week to week, it is somewhat easy to miss those details, especially if they don't put them in the like previously on Loki section of the episode. <laughs> yeah, so it's not fresh in your mind. So anyway, that's just that was my one nitpick of that episode. Otherwise, I really like that episode. Yeah, that was a good one. 
Um, Josh, anything else for episode two? We'll move on to three. Nope, we're good. Okay. Uh, for episode three, Loki and Sylvie are stranded in 27, 2077 as the moon of Lamentus One is about to crash into the planet. Uh, as they attempt to make their way to the only evac shuttle on the planet, they bond and get to know each other. On their way to the shuttle, Sylvie drops one piece of TVA knowledge that everyone working for the TVA are variants. Uh, after a big action sequence to attempt to get to the ev evac shuttle, it explodes, and their only hope of escape is destroyed. End of episode. Uh, so, thoughts on episode three, Mike? Um, you know, I, I think I feel like this was definitely a low point for the series. Hmm. Um, I feel like nothing happened. Other yes. than that line that you just mentioned, nothing happened. <laughs> that was kind of why I put it in there, because I felt that was the only relevant thing that happened in the episode for me. So I'm, I'm I mean, right there with you. It's a big line. It's an important line. But it's also like, we we didn't need a whole episode to lead up to that line. You know, they, they play on the whole, like, I guess, romantic development between Loki and presumably himself, which I think is an interesting asexual turn for a character. Yeah. You know, people will call it bisexual, whatever. I feel like this is actually trying to provide some representation to people who are asexual because he's going at himself, even if it doesn't look like himself. He, it's still him. You know, they're still the same thing, just from different universes. Yeah. Maybe, if she's not the Enchantress, maybe, I, you know, whatever. I felt like that was an interesting turn, but I feel like we did not need a whole episode to go, like, we're just gonna have Loki get drunk on a train. Yeah. And then drop the bomb of, like, oh, yeah, they're all variants. Oh. Which also brought all sorts of questions to my mind. Um... And still causes me problems now. I can't um, sleep at night. <laughs> well, no, it's it, like when I think about it, it's still like a problem for me that it, as soon as she said that, it's like, okay, if they were just created and it was just the TVA, them all being humans with no alien agents of the TVA makes perfect sense because it could just be the choice of the person creating it. But then it makes your raises an eyebrow when they say, "Oh, they're all variants," and it's like, so the only beings that have caused problems on the timeline that they have chose to turn into workers at the TVA are humans. I feel like I had that thought when watching. Like, you know, this is meant to be something that is like th this oversees the entire universe. So why? Trillions agency, of planets. Right, that oversees the entire universe. Why are there only humans here? Like you like you said, it should look like fucking Men in Black Airport in there with aliens and bugs and shit everywhere. Yeah. But, yeah. Or at the very least, nowhere. Like, that's what I thought of, like, in oh, yeah. this universe. Yeah. Nowhere is a good example of just seeing all the different races and things that exist and whatnot. I can accept that they're all humanoid. You know, the way right. that the Kree and the Skrull are and all that. Cool. But they're they're all just humans, and it, it and it. I felt like that could have deserved an explanation at some point during the show. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I I wasn't I wasn't necessarily disappointed or impressed with this episode. It was just kind of middle of the road. Yeah, I think like I I, I agree with you. I think this was the <clears throat> the low point in the series for me. And I don't know, like I understand what the episode was meant to do. It's meant to get you to care more about the relationship between Loki and Sylvie. 
And I don't know if they just tried to lean into it too hard or it, it, I feel like up to that point, the momentum was building for the mystery of the TVA and what's going on. And then it just full stop. And you're stuck with these two characters trying to get to know each other. And it's like everything you were building up to and the momentum of the series just stopped for me. And then I started to lose interest. Now it picked up after this, but th- yeah, this one for sure. I was just kind of like, all right, I-, I get what you're going for. It's not working for me, but cool. Uh, Josh, what did you think of episode three? Um, I guess I- maybe along those lines, but not to that degree. Did Did I have that? reaction to it all um i think the visuals of a lot of what was happening kept me more engaged and not noticing that there was not as much happening um for some reason the once they were on the train um and that that like travel time they have from getting on it and to to getting to the initial then like the capital or where like where the launch right is going to be um the that that's maybe where i felt it it had the slowest pace because just like at least outside you had the dynamic nature of the planet to look at and the atmosphere and the the surroundings and what and everything else um but i guess it it was it was all right um i i don't know i think the the climax of it the way that it was shot and, and everything that was put together um left it with a stronger favorable memory for me yeah than remembering that like the first 35 minutes was uh, a little lagging yeah because when they get to the shuttle like right before the shuttle the there's a whole like extended action sequence there that is shot in the city that is stitched together to be one continuous shot which is cool from a technical standpoint but i also had the thought watching it that I don't know if it just because it was stitched together like one shot, but it just felt like they were running around a very small stage, and it was the first one out of any of these Marvel series that suddenly it was like I'm watching a TV show, not that I'm watching a movie. Mm-hmm. I just literally had the thought of it's it feels more self-contained and smaller like a TV show. So I don't know. Yeah. It was wasn't wasn't my favorite, but I think I think the show definitely rebounded for me. But this was this was not my favorite. And and I guess I'd like to be clear when I say that, like, I don't have negative feelings toward this episode. I just feel like it wasn't as good as the rest. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yes. You know, like, it's still good television. I just think the rest of the series, the other five episodes, are all better. You know, like, I want to make that clear. It's not a bad experience to watch this. Especially, personally, the effects of one, like, the planet crashing toward another. Oh, yeah. I feel like that looked fucking great. Yeah. That looked cool. It was awesome to see it happening. Sure, the odds of neither of them being hit by one of those little meteorites or whatever you want to call the chunks of a planet flying at another planet, whatever you want to call that, you know, they probably would have been hit in real life, but it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. You know, it's it was still cool to look at. Like, they created a really cool sequence and scene and idea for what was happening yeah. in this episode. It just... That whole lead into it could have been shorter. In the back half, you know, the last quarter of this episode could have been a half an episode. Yeah. And I feel like that would have improved on uh, where it stands for me quite a bit. All right. Uh, anything else for episode three? We'll move on to four. Uh, I mean, the, 
only last thing I'll add for this is, I guess, like, through our discussion so far, it is giving me the impression that when I go back to rewatch this, which really is that much of a lift, it's only six episodes again, yeah. um, that um, there's probably a lot more to get out of this the second time around than... Because I definitely not to the same degree that WandaVision did, but this is very much in part, uh, you know, mostly a mystery plot. Yeah. You know, it's it's let's find out who's behind it all and who's pulling the strings the whole time. Right. Um. So I'm so invested in that major through line and listening to every word and exchange and, and whatnot that like all, all the stuff in between that's probably gold you know a lot of it was missed on me but that it, again like it's not a big lift to try to do that again yep fair enough uh all right episode four so right on the verge of being killed by the planet any destruction of lamentus one loki and sylvie share a moment that causes a nexus event that event is so potent that Mobius and the TVA are able to find them and find find them and capture them before that planet explodes. Uh, as Sylvie gets interrogated, she unlocks Hunter B-15's memories. As Loki, Loki is interrogated, he plants the seed in Mobius that the TVA isn't what it seems to be. Just as Mobius comes to rescue Loki, he gets pruned by Judge Renslayer. Uh, Sylvie and Loki are then taken to the, what do they call the, the, was it the Time Masters, I think, is what they referred to as the, like, the time head of, Time Keepers. Keepers. Okay. Keepers, yeah. I wrote the wrong thing down. But, so they're taken to the Time Keepers to face judgment. After Hunter B-15 sets them free, they fend off their captors, take a run at the Time Keepers, and realize that they're robots and not the ones in charge. Uh, Loki attempts to have a heart-to-heart with Sylvie, but instead he is pruned. And credits show him wake up in a strange place with other variants of Loki's standing over him. Uh, so, Josh, we'll bounce back to you. What did you think of episode four? Um, I'll start with the end first. I, I, I was happy with what played out, but I thought that killing off Tom Hiddleston in episode four of a Loki show... Yeah. In, in which you've introduced a different Loki already in a major capacity would have been the ballsiest thing. Oh, and, yeah. Like, for a moment, when I saw that end credits, I was like, oh, really? Okay, they pussied out. Yeah. Y- later, you see how it made it. You're, okay, it's fine. It makes sense. But that, man, that would have been balls. That would have been great. Not to I mention, like... I guess I forgot it in the summary, but like moments before that, Mobius is pruned, and you're like, "No, yeah. Mobius, no!" <laughs> yeah, I, I that, that's what I was gonna say. Is I feel like they went that route, they pruned Mobius, and it was like, "Oh no, that that sucks." You don't know what's about to happen, and then they do it to Loki, and I'm like, "Oh, this is not." Like as soon as they did Tom Hiddleston, I'm like, they did not just get rid of both Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston, right? Right in the same episode, and then just move on from there. Would have been ballsy. But yeah. they they did not have me fooled in the least on that because it was like, <laughs> nah, they just did they they weren't doing that. Yeah, it wasn't gonna happen. Yeah, that's fair. I I I think this uh, definitely found its footing well and and kind of brings you back from that lull that episode three yeah you know may have created the previous week. Um, really, it, it was funny because I 
I, I really did think like they were steamrolling toward answers and, and <laughs> toward certain resolutions. And it didn't occur to me like, wait, there's two more weeks after this. What, you know, what is going to be happening? Um, so when that, uh, you know, moment comes where she just decapitates one of the timekeepers, like a Chuck E. Cheese animatronic. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, okay. All right. We got another layer peeled back here. <laughs> We're going to keep going. There's way more, you know, it's not going to get all resolved. Um, I, I, I thought, it, I thought it was good. Uh, Mike, what do you think of episode four? Um, yeah, it was a really fun episode, I guess, among the series, and it's where things started to make more sense. I feel like for maybe a lot of people, it started to make less sense. Um, but I feel like having some minor comic book knowledge at that point of like what was going on with this whole TVA thing and then seeing what they did there it kind of made a little bit of sense because they I it, like that end credit scene kind of really solidified things a little bit yeah um but it didn't go where I thought it was going to go I thought it was starting to make sense because <laughs> I thought they were leading toward what is known as the Council of Lokis which is an actual thing in the comic books and it's a very cool thing, and they kind of went that route, but kind of didn't. Um, I'm trying to think of the actor's name. Uh, Richard Grant. Mm-hmm. We get him revealed at the end of this episode, which disappointed me greatly. <laughs> um, Don't get me wrong. I loved seeing him in the ridiculous, like, original comic book Loki getup. Yeah. That was hilarious, but also very disappointing because I felt like he would have been such a perfect person to cast as Mephisto. Yeah. Like, when I seen his name pop up in the cast, I was like, that's it, Mephisto's showing up. There's no way they went with that guy and didn't go Mephisto. That's what went into my brain, was like, <laughs> that guy is Mephisto. He's the hundred, like, seriously, like, come on, he, he would have been amazing for that. But seeing him in that kind of made up for it yeah so there was a little disappointment at the end of the episode seeing that but i i feel like this episode was i don't know if it was the best one or not but it did a really good job with the fight scene yeah um and yeah i mean i, I don't have a whole lot of like thoughts on it because it really just was more action stuff like happening than it was ideas or you know like story threads i guess right really kind of explode out from it into the next episode but you know the, the the tva being androids robots whatever the hell you want to call them wasn't necessarily a shocker kind of because of what josh said we're in episode four and they're about to fight the big bad yeah. that had been set up to that point. It's like, well, something weird's going to happen here that isn't expected. Yeah. So it, it like puts you on guard for what's about to happen because it's only episode four. Um, if you didn't know that that was, you know, maybe not the last episode, 
it may have gone differently, I guess. Right. But having like the knowledge that it was definitely going to be six episodes, you know, kind of kind of put a little bit of a, I guess, anticlimactic feel to the end. Be because I, you know, you knew it wasn't the end. Right. You know what I mean? Like whatever was coming felt like a climax, but it wasn't going to be, and yeah. you knew that. So, um, the we get more Loki and Mobius in this episode, which is you know another just conversation between the two of them, where I feel like Mobius is still just cutting to the heart of Loki, and you know, one of the few characters I feel like they can read Loki and figure him out a lot easier than anyone else, which is always fun to see. So, you know, seeing them bond a little bit more and finally start to trust each other was cool. Yeah, the the we didn't really point this out with with the episode 1 discussion, but I think the the one way that some a character like Loki as established by the MCU, the only way to get around him is to have somebody omnipotent. Yeah. And you can put a character like Mobius in the TVA who who can see and observe everything he does from the outside. They see all of his deceptions. They see yeah. everything that he did and what he really wanted from that deception. Um, and that's the only way to get in there um, and, and, and break through. You know, everyone else is just that he actually exists, interacts with is, you know, peripheral to only certain points of, his his life and the actions he's taken, the choices he's making, um, and and to have in a have somebody in a in a position to be able to do what they did to him um, was yeah like the only way to kind of break in there and and to be able to deconstruct him in that way. Yeah. Um, one of the things I would say from the from episode four that also you know we mentioned that. It's uh, earlier at this time that Mobius gets pruned too. We we actually haven't even haven't even talked about the you know relationship and the 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 role that um, Gugumabatha Ra uh, serves as uh, Ravana Renslayer. Renslayer, yeah. In in the TVA yet, and when that all comes to a head between the two of them, as it you know built up in the first four episodes. Um, I don't know about you guys. I I felt it was earned by that point. Um, I didn't think that like like when when that happens to him and she orders it to be done. I felt like okay. I know exactly why this is important. Um, why it's impactful between the two of them. I didn't feel like it was rushed. Um, how how did you guys feel about her character and that sort of sub? plot sub relationship that ran through the series. Yeah, I mean, I guess I was trying to figure out if 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 it's more like a mentor friendship relationship or if there's like some uh romantic history there. I I, mm-hmm. I like I feel like they're insinuating on a bunch of bunch of levels of stuff. I can't figure out where it's at. Um but yeah, I mean to to your point, I think yeah, that part was earned. I, like I was I was with it. I understood what was happening and why and and the turn and all that stuff. So, I yeah. I was okay with that. Yeah, I I feel like kind of what Brian said, but I feel like they definitely are insinuating the romantic end of it. It just seems like it's romantic but cold. 
for a romance, I guess. For like it's called for a romance. Um perhaps because of some sort of something that we don't know what happened that happened. You know what I mean? Like it's it seems like they're into each other, but they don't trust each other. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like they they play that very well, but I also I don't know if we've seen the end of that. Mm. Yeah, because um, she scutters off later. Yeah. So we we there may still be more to that story that we learn in season two. Yeah. Um. But in general, she did a good job. She's, you know, the it, the character was very interesting. Um, what's the character's name? Renslayer. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, very interesting character, very well played. And, yeah, like, I'm interested to... I guess I want that, even though she's kind of a jerk, I still kind of want the character to have a happy ending, you know? Mm. Okay. It's one of those kind of things where, like, yeah, she's a jerk, but I feel like the happy ending for both her and Mobius is, like, the two of them on a jet ski somewhere someday. I feel like you put anybody and Mobius on a jet ski, and that's everyone's happy ending. That, that, well, that, that sounded a little odd. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make it weird. I feel like I'm not the one that did. <laughs> that the, those those memes should start to dominate. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. Not really talking about the happy ending, just just Mobius on a jet <laughs> ski with, you know, substitute person X. Yeah. You know, riding along on the back. I feel like we could definitely see Kenny Powers in there. I don't know. Do you guys know Kenny Powers? Mm-mm. No. Eastbound down. 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 Yeah. Ah. Get, get Kenny Powers and Mobius together on their <laughs> jet skis. And maybe the guy from uh, Tiger King. Whatever that guy's <laughs> name was. The Tiger King guy in Mobius needs to be a meme that happens. <laughs> uh, the last point I got for episode four was it was great to see fucking Sif come back. Like, exist yeah. in an MCU property again and actually do something. So that was a fun little gag of her just repeatedly I, punching Loki in the face. I was so sad that that was why she was back, though. I saw her name in the credits. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you see Jamie Alexander and you're like, oh, they're going to bring Sif back. And then it's like, oh, but they didn't really bring Sif back. I mean, well, just acknowledging I mean? Like that she's there, like, is enough for me. Like, she exists. They're going to make yeah. a point that I, I hope we see her more in the MCU. It's, it's some other point. Sif is such an awesome character that, I mean, and she did so well with it yeah. in the two chances that she got before this, that when Sif wasn't coming back for Ragnarok and we weren't going to see her again in anything else, it was just kind of like our big letdown. Well, it's almost better because... she didn't come back to Ragnarok because she might have died and then we'd never get any more of her. Okay, that's, right, maybe, maybe that's fair. It's a, it's a blessing in disguise. Have, like, to be, we still don't have confirmation that she didn't. That's what I mean. Like, she, there's no body. She was not at Asgard when the shit happened, so I'm going to say she's still alive and kicking somewhere. I certainly hope so. I, I want to see that character return in full. Yeah. I don't know how that works contractually or scheduling-wise for her and them, but I'm sure she would be open to it. Yeah. Um. Anything else for episode four? We'll go to five. Uh, only that we, I, I think we haven't actually noted that, uh, the actress who plays Sylvie is Sophia DiMartino. Uh, yes. 
I, I left that off the casting before the spoiler because I didn't want to spoil that she is a Loki. Right, but yeah, just okay. catching up. Uh, yes, good call. Um, Alright, so episode 5. So, Loki ends up in the land of misfit toys populated by many different Lokis. Uh, we find out that this place is called the Void, and this is where everything that's been pruned ends up. Uh, there's also a huge monster called Eliath that disintegrates anything in the Void. Uh, the Lokis have found a way to survive there and avoid Eliath, but they can't seem to find a way out. Uh, Sylvie's been stuck at the TVA. She prunes herself to get out, hopefully to find Loki. Uh, when she ends up in the Void, uh, we find Mobius, yay! Uh, and eventually, they meet up with the other Lokis. Sylvie and Loki defeat Eliath, opens this portal to a castle at the end of time. And that's where that episode ends. Uh, Mike, I think it's your turn. Episode 5, what'd you think? Um, I, I guess you could say this was my favorite, personally. Like, I feel like when I remember it, I, I when they were talking about like Elioth and all that, my like my brain as I'm watching that episode, I'm sitting there thinking the whole time like I know that name, but I can't remember why. <laughs> I know that name, but I can't remember why. And then they get to the end and they open it up and they show the castle. Yeah. And I and it, like, I mean, I don't want to have to say it, but I needed clean pants. <laughs> um. It, it was just that realization because the whole time I couldn't figure it out the whole episode. Like, why do I know the name Eliath? And then they show the castle and I, it just dawned on me in that moment. Like that is that that's literally a panel from a comic book in that introduces the character. We'll talk about from episode six. I'm sure at length. Yeah. Um, it's literally a panel from the book where I believe is the origin of that character. And it was just that, like, dawning and realization of it was just amazing. But also seeing Sylvie and Loki work together and having her teach him how to fully, like, utilize his power. Yeah. That was really cool. Um, Because here, you know, the whole time you're thinking, like, they just have different powers because they're different Lokis. And looking at it from... I guess that direction and then seeing that, no, they can share these things and they can teach each other things. And then I, I feel like that really, I feel like that moment kind of did more for the, I don't want to say like the relationship between the two of them, but it did more to make it concrete Make it so that it's like, yeah, these two are going to be a thing thing. They are connected more deeply than just on the surface. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, like you said, it, I mean, it does go hand in hand with their relationship, too. Like, it does build the relationship between the two of them. Yeah, and, and that that's a, a really big step for them. And it's a big step for Loki himself. I guess the Loki we're used to. Let's yeah. Say. Um, it's a big step for him to kind of submit to somebody else and learning from them. We'll get to the point he's... where they they both start to trust each other, which is big for either version of themselves. Right. We've never seen Loki actually trust anybody without having some ulterior motive to stab them in the back. At some right. Point. Right. So uh, that that's kind of where it. I guess turned for me 
in, in figuring that, okay, they actually do trust one another now. Because it's still Loki, and the whole time you're still thinking one of these Lokis is going to Loki. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, so, which is why we which, get that with the other Lokis. Like, you know, it was just fun to see all those versions of Loki, and they're doing what we expect all these other Lokis to do, which is just be mischievous and deceptive and selfish and turn on each other. Which, again, to your point, highlights just how far our Loki has come when you put him, you know, mirror image against all these other Lokis that are doing all the shit that he did, you know, right. f- back from episode one and stuff like that. So that's that's character arc. That's growth. That's cool for a series to do that for a character. Which, in, in thinking of, I guess, how much we're saying Loki in this moment, leads me back to saying I still think she's the Entranturist because she is Sylvie and not Loki. Right. You, you know, like, we have this... Well, I feel like they I had get... to give her a name, because you can't have both of those characters in everything and refer to them both as Loki, and it'd be really weird to just call her, oh, female Loki and regular Loki. Like, you gotta give her a name just to differentiate between the two. Loki. Yeah, that's not <laughs> enough. That's, <laughs> that's not enough. I mean, I, I feel like we still would have known, though. Like, it's not really, like... I feel like there's definite purpose to it being Sylvie versus Loki. I mean, does Enchantress have a name other than Enchantress? I really don't want to spoil that as much as I could. Okay. I I would say if you want the spoiler on it, look up a lot of the information about a side story where okay, fuck it, spoil it. Yes, there is a character named Sylvie that becomes the Enchantress. Okay. Or I can't remember if it's Sylvie, but it's Sylvie something like that female name. Yeah. Like, it's feminine name Sylvie. I, I don't know if it was exactly Sylvie. But right. Okay. Th- th- there's a thing that happens with that, and it may just be them trying to make people like me that know well enough think that way. Right. More misdirection. So, right. So, I'm not saying that you're going to be shown to be completely wrong about this or that you are for any reason but there is another female variant who is part of the loki gang really that they end up tossing with in this episode yes she's a redhead notice that do you you have like a picture Uh, she's a redhead she's it's like yeah it's like fire red i mean all those characters really didn't have much screen time and and the, no, the camera was all very a lot brief. so it like it's forgivable to not have seen it yeah they're much yeah, background mean, uh, set dressing more than anything else yeah I, I mean other than alligator loki and kid loki and hammer loki and right richard grant loki none of them got screen time really it was all just flashy here they are which yeah. it was great just having them sit around and like tell their stories of like where they came from and like what their Loki version was doing. Like that was interesting to me just to hear all the versions of what Loki did. And and that kid Loki was king because he killed Thor. Yeah. That was a badass realm. fucking move, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that that's like I like it. But then I I don't know why like the hammer Loki did we get an explanation on why Hammer Loki had a hammer? I I don't think we did, but I took that as in his version, Loki is the one who proved to be worthy. See, I was thinking more along the lines of he was jealous and made himself a hammer. Could be. Okay, I wasn't sure whether or not we got that. I, I don't believe it was explicitly stated. I, I don't remember. I, Take it and run with it. Both, both versions are correct. 
Oh, yeah, there she is. Are we sure that's a female? I kind of <laughs> remember it from the episode, too, and I thought it was. But again, I mean, that, it, 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 that picture, that could go either way. It it might. And even if it is, it could mean absolutely nothing to your theory as well. So okay, just, yeah, just noticed it. That's all. Food for thought. Food for thought. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I'll have to watch the episode again and see if I can notice mm-hmm. whether or not it's male or female. Um, Josh, you got anything to add for episode five? Um, I thought it was because I is it episode four that ends or is it during it, it's during episode five that Sylvie prunes herself, right? Yes, and, and ends up there, right? Okay. Yes. Yes, it is because four pretty much ends with him going there. Yes, yeah, that's right. Um, I thought the aspect of her arc of the story getting herself from the TVA to there uh, meant a lot for her character's path. Yeah. Um, and then once she joins the fray uh, and, and then finds Mobius and they're driving around in the, in the car, like, I don't know. I also had visions of thinking of the the enchanted car from Harry Potter driving around the forest <laughs> as Mobius is, like, ripping across the the grass fields and whatnot yeah um i i I, before mike said it i think i i was going to say as well that i think for all the different beats that this episode hits all the different tones that you get throughout that 45 minutes i'd probably put this at the top of my list as far as like favorite episode of the series or something of the six yeah yeah um you got the, you, you know, you got everything from the drama to the ridiculousness of, you know, Mayor Loki and his uh, 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 broken toy gang <laughs> um, to the, the betrayal of, of Thor. I'll call him Thor Loki turning on our, you know, the real Lokis who they all thought they were in league with. And the, the, just the, everybody doubles, you know, d- uh, Everybody stabs everybody in the back. Yeah. Um, so, so it, it kind of ran the gamut. Then you get the, the like the big epic adventure idea of the culmination um, of them, you know, trying to affect the monster and you know Richard Grant's Loki getting involved. Like it, it just really hit so many different areas. I I, I noticed something on the IMDb that I had not seen, and I'm gonna have to rewatch. Chris Hemsworth is qu- is uh, credited here. Frog Thor. Yes, as the a- voice. as Frog Thor as yeah. Throg. Yes. And I said to myself, "Wait, there Throg was in this, and evidently it's just like a brief shot." So I was gonna like a bring up Throg, like that. There are just some fun, great fucking Easter eggs while we're in the void, and that's one of them. Is when you the when you get to the capsule when they open the capsule and they go underground, the the camera pans like through the ground. And you see, mm-hmm. like, Mjolnir in the dirt, and there's a little container with a little something jumping around in there. That's Frog Thor. <laughs> yeah, I honestly did not even notice it when I watched it. Yeah, but somewhere... I, I saw him, like, I, I saw him credited. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, there was that one I know of. Um, James Gunn, I know, put up a picture of, like, Thanos' helicopter that's in the wreckage somewhere in, in the void. Which is just about that one. straight up fucking out of the comic book. I saw that post, like, when James Gunn put that out there, it was like, I had to look at that, and then 
I, I still haven't gone back to watch it, but it was like, okay, yeah, that I saw. So that was like just fu- like that's that's Marvel's excuse to just put in like whatever the fuck they want to that stuff. Like I'm sure there's a lot more in there that I missed. I didn't go through and look at any like top twenty things you missed in the void of of Loki. Like, but I'm sure those articles are out there. Oh yeah, that, I'm sure they put more than just that out there. Uh, but yeah, all that, all the I I love Easter eggy stuff. So that stuff was fun. Um. Anything else? I don't know if I really... Like, you guys kind of covered pretty much what I wanted to, so I don't think I really have anything to add. Not off the top of my head. Okay. Um, the effects for Alioth were cool. Alioth. Mm-hmm. They were very... Oh, yeah. like, I feel like that was very well done. Yeah. I like the whole sequence of him breaking down Richard Grant's illusion. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of Asgard. Yeah. Yeah, the it, effects it, went top-notch in that episode. I think they did really good. Yeah, they spent a good bit of their budget Yeah, on uh, that end sequence to that episode. Yeah. All right, so let's we'll wrap up with our last episode of the series, episode six. Uh, so episode six goes, Sylvie and Loki go to the castle and find the man behind the curtain, who is referred to as He Who Remains. Uh, he's never called out by name in the episode, but this is meant to be King the Conqueror. Uh, as he explains, he is the one that has created the TVA in the hopes to keep the multiverse in check. Otherwise, different versions of himself will continue to conquer the multiverse. Uh, he presents Sylvie and Loki with a choice. Kill him and choose their own destiny, but allow the multiverse to collapse. Or take over his spot at the end of time and keep the multiverse in check by becoming the person in charge of the TVA. Uh, Sylvie decides to choose her own destiny, kill Kang, and Loki is sent back to the TVA. Except it's not the TVA we know. Uh, Mobius has no idea who Loki is, and instead of seeing the three statues of the Timekeepers and the TVA, there was only one statue of Kang. And the series ends. And then all we get is the end credits scene that says Season 2 is happening. Yay. So, this is a, quite a cliffhanger, I think, for this episode. Uh, and, I mean, really, the MCU as a whole. Um, uh, Josh, I think it's your turn. So what did you think of Episode 6? Um, there were stretches of the conversation that they're having with Kang in his office where I felt like, please, you know, keep this, this going. You can't say enough. And for some reason, it it kept kind of jostling back and forth between, like, at, at some points it just felt like they were saying the same thing in different ways. Okay. And, and repeating themselves a little bit, especially him. Um, so at other times I was like, well, you could probably could have trimmed this or streamlined what you wanted to get across a little bit. But for like an episode where about half of it, legitimately half of it, is the two of them sitting across from a desk from him um, for it to not really, you know, seem ten times worse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it kind of harkened back to that first episode. Like, I really was very engaged in what was happening. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Mike, you got anything you want to... I know you want, you've been dying to dive into this one, I think, so... I mean, th- this is the kicking off point for the major conflict that's going to be what we know as the MCU for a while. And I'll be honest, I, like, you know, looking back at WandaVision and us thinking, like, I, I'm sure we even spitballed it at the time, but like, 
we knew Multiverse of Madness was coming. We knew Scarlet Witch was going to be in that movie. So we're like, okay, this movie is going to be the one that fucks up the multi- or this show is going to be the one that fucks up the multiverse, and we're going to be left with those consequences when Doctor Strange happens. It didn't. It was very much focused on Wanda and Vision and what their characters were doing. Falcon and Winter Soldier come up, and again, I'm thinking like, okay, maybe this could lead into other bigger events in the MCU, and we'll see where it goes from here. No, it's very much focused on Falcon and Winter Soldier. That's their show. So by the time we get to Loki, I'm like, okay, they're not going to do stuff that affects the MCU as large, you know, as a whole. This is very much going to be focused on Loki, and they're not going to go that far. And then we get to this episode, and shit hits the fan, and you're like, oh, no, no, they they did it. They went for it. I was way off. And, and right, and that, that for me, like I said, that's the moment at the end of episode five where you see them reveal the palace, and I have that moment like, holy shit, it's Kang. Yeah. You know, and... There was a lot of, like, speculation around that they might go for Kang because of the multiverse stuff. And, you know, it's something that seeing them actually go for it. And this guy's interpretation so far. uh, What is the actor's name? Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors. Seeing his interpretation so far is fantastic. Yeah. He He was great as this, obviously driven bonkers by eternally having to deal with shit. Yeah. Um, kind of character. And there's just so many directions they can go now. When do we actually see Kang again? So Is that it was, Loki season two? Is it... Well, that was so... God that was what. where I sort of figured out who we were dealing with here. Is because back in the announcements when Disney was announcing all their upcoming slate of stuff, they announced that in Ant-Man 3, the Quantumanium or whatever it is, that Kang the Conqueror is going to be in that movie. Somewhere down the line, they oh, confirmed no. Jonathan Majors is playing Kang the Conqueror. So I had to like sort of backtrack from there. Like I see this Jonathan Majors in this movie. I see I see this this person playing a, a character that I don't know. I realized that's Jonathan Majors, and then I went through the rabbit hole of like, where do I know that name from? And then it came to Ant-Man. And him being listed as Kang the Conqueror, and I go, oh, shit, that is Kang. Because they never referred to him to my name, so I was never really sure. Mm-hmm. Well, he calls himself the Conqueror. He, among other nicknames. So, yes, yeah, that was a hint. Yeah, things that other so, people have called him. Yes. Yeah, like, there, there's another character that he could have been up to that point until he referred to himself as, oh, they call me the Conqueror or yeah. whatever. And I can't remember the name of that character. It's like, it's a strange name. He's known as, like, the something. It's not the in-betweener, but it's it's something similar to that. Okay. Where, it, like, the character is related to Kang. Yeah. Like, it has a relation to Kang and Eliath and all that stuff, but, um, you know, until he referred to himself the Conqueror, because I had not seen what you said about, like, the next Ant-Man movie. Right. With him being, like, announced as Kang, I did not know that. Well, to your, like, to answer your question, I think that's the next place we're going to see him, is Ant-Man 3. Do we know when that is? Uh, or is that still unscheduled? Okay. I know recently, within the last week or two, I think Peyton Reed started shooting. I saw like a pro- pro- like basically day one of production tweet picture thing. So okay. I know that's happening. Okay, so soon enough. And do we like again? Could this be something where they're playing a major role, or could this be something like Thanos in Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, right. Where you know, it, like it's just a little appearance for him here and there. 
until we get into a larger conflict of some sort. Because evidently, like, we're going to see different versions of this character. Right. And technically speaking, this version of the character wouldn't be Kang the Conqueror. Right. Correct. So... This is Kang the Dictator. Kang the Boss Man. Oh, you're just making it up. I was going to say, it's like he's not actually referred to that. Okay, I was going to say, (laughs) because I don't think there's like an actual reference for this in terms of what he's called as head of the TVA or anything like that. Like, I think this is just whatever the guy's name was on Earth. And he's not yet Kang the Conqueror, which we will encounter. As you said, they have him cast as Kang the Conqueror. Right. So I feel like there's a reason why you don't see him cast as that here. It's because it's not. Right. Even in the credits, like I looked in the credits, they don't call him Kang. They call him uh, the He He Who Remains. He Who Remains, right. Yeah. So, yeah. I I could easily see that being the case, is that we're going to see perhaps throughout the course of the whole multiverse crisis of whatever sort we're going to be dealing with very soon here in the MCU, we're going to see him in different capacities. Sometimes as a neutral, sometimes as a friend, sometimes as the conqueror. I think like as an, as an actor, like that's just a fun role to take. Like you can play many different versions of the same character. And if they kill one of them, who cares? The other one comes back from somewhere else. So you just keep playing this character for infinity. (laughs) Basically, and depending yeah. depending on what they want to do, they could, you know, are they going to stretch this out and this is, you know, going to culminate at the, I mean, we don't really know what, quote, the end of phase four is yet, but is it going to be just a phase four arc? Is it going to go through phase five? Are they, are they going to stick with a, a, a trilogy of phases that, like they did with Infinity Saga that then, right, right. you know, by the end of six? Um, so... He, he he can kind of almost be like a Nick Fury type character, yeah. right? And and not only in, in all those different incarnations, but he doesn't always have to be a major factor. Yeah. You know, he's not always the big bad of the movie. He could also just be a minor side effect of something that happens and pop up here and there yeah. until... The, the 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 snowballing of all these actions together start to manifest in a more uh you know a, a things of a bigger magnitude and then that's when you know the 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 real diving off point into that stretch of the storytelling and the resolution and conflict really is going to occur right i mean maybe we even get like a similar version to like do you remember? You guys probably don't remember this. Do you remember Jet Li's movie, uh, the, the one? The one, yeah, yeah. We, we we could get a similar situation to that where Kang the Conqueror conquers all the other versions of Kang and gains their. I don't think we'll get the gains their power part, <laughs> but we may get a similar situation to that where he's going around and because maybe Kang the Conqueror is. You know, kind of an evil guy who's out to uh, prevent the other versions of himself from stopping him. Yeah. You know, because maybe that's the only thing that's stopping him is other versions of himself, and he's out to go and get them. He made it, yeah, he made it seem like he was the only good one. Like, every other version of him is evil as shit. That That's, at least that's the impression I got from his conversation with them. 
is that he is the only good one trying to keep everything else in check. So if he goes, chaos ensues. Yeah. But there still has to be some sort, like, for a story resolution, we still need, like, a Kang Prime. You know what I mean? Like, something that the heroes can defeat. Right. In some definitive way that closes it off and ends the conflict. See, I don't even think it's that. I think it's just more or less, like, almost the resolution of whatever happens in Loki. Like, if someone becomes in charge of the TVA and keeps the TVA in check, everything else kind of snaps back. So I don't know how that's going to affect the larger MCU. Like, they might have to, you know, you might see the MCU, the other movies, sort of, like, getting stuck in one branch. So you're seeing their, what's happening on, from one character's perspective with this one branch timeline. But as far as Loki as a series is concerned, it's trying to worry about all the branches and how do we get all of them figured out and, and back together and, and back to the main timeline. So, and that's a, it's a lot of a weight for, I think for this series to carry, which is why I don't know if it'll actually go that way because you know, you can't assume that the people watching the movies are also watching the series and you know, they go hand in hand like that. But so it's, it's hard to tell at least right now, where everything is going to wrap up, whether it's going to culminate in an Avengers movie or if it could be in in the Loki series. And I feel like with what's happening and, okay, so like what if just, we talked about that earlier, said it launched today. The first episode's out there today. I'm not going to talk about the episode, but I am going to talk about the idea of what if and what it means for Marvel Comics and what it is. And... For any viewers that don't know, What If is kind of a series of comics that have existed, I want to say since the early 70s, where they take a look at, you know, Marvel from a perspective of, you know, just strange occurrences that changed how the timeline worked. And say like, oh, what if, I don't know, like to give an example, they probably won't touch on in the MCU say what if T'Challa had been captured and experimented on by Weapon X instead of Logan yeah um something like that is what they would focus on now having that series going on now is very um suspicious to me that they may you know we've got 20 some episodes of this series Maybe some of these timelines make it into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Maybe some of the what ifs become realities. So I guess I at I was some point. wondering almost like where the placement of the show is, just like the release schedule of it. Like it comes out after the timeline is broken. So I almost see the show as like, okay, this is exploring just like a branch that isn't going to exist right. when all of this stuff fixes. It's just what if this happened and, and go from there where it's spitballs. Right, but I could see, like, some of the stuff that they introduce turning up before things are fixed. Well, the problem with the mo- like, any series or show or movie or whatever at this point going forward is, like, how do you tell the audience which branch you're in? Like, if the multiverse is going to shit, is every movie that's happening happening in our main timeline that we've been in so far, and we're seeing the effects of all the branches, or... Or some of these spinning off into the other branches themselves, but really have no effect on our main timeline. Like, that's, as an audience member, not, like, peripherally paying attention to everything, that's confusing. I would think 
that it's going to take place in the main universe that we're used to. Right. We're going to deal with the you know the universe of the characters we're used to. But what I guess what I was saying is that like perhaps you know the what if universe of characters could crack into the MCU itself. So it's not its own branch. You're thinking it could hit the main branch. I'm saying like it is a branch, but these things are going to converge at some point. You know I mean things are going to be happening. There's no point in having all these branching timelines if we don't see what's going on in them. And have them interact with our characters that we're used to. So at some point, say, Doctor Strange is going to be interacting with one of the branches, perhaps, that happens in What If. Yeah. In live action. In, you know, the Multiverse of Madness movie. And so, say, maybe, I don't know, episode 17 of What If. Whatever happens in that. Maybe he's dealing with whatever happens in that. In the multiverse of madness, you know what I mean? Like, in right. in the multiverse, whatever happens in that episode, perhaps it turns up in the movie. Right. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we'll have to wait and see. Um, Josh, you got anything to add? Anything else you want to touch on for the last episode? The finale? Not really. Like I said, that the uh, towards the beginning, that once we especially... I, I never thought that this show utilizing this character would have been used for the purpose uh you know put put to work in this way yeah given the task of putting being put in the scenarios that would culminate in creating the catalyst event for the next several years right yeah and so by the end of it i was like all right I'm in. I, I'm actually very curious to see what creative people can give me next as far as, as him and Sylvie are going to do. So, um, right. yeah, by, by by the end of that, like, you know, you've you got a lot of conversation, but you got some you got some action and you got some big consequences. Yeah. Um, from your angle, Josh, did you have any idea that he who remains was Kang? Was that surprising at all to you, or did you figure that out? Uh, I mean, as soon as I saw Jonathan Majors, I realized what it was. Okay, so you knew that connection before. Yeah, the, okay. the, the moment that door opened and I saw him, I'm like, oh, okay, here here it is. Okay. Prior to that, um, no, like, like Mike had mentioned with episode five, like, you know, a comic book panel or splash page of the castle being revealed through the, you know, smoke cloud and whatnot. Um, no, I, I had no inclination of what was about okay. to happen. Uh, what did you think of Majors in the role? Uh, I, I, again, I, th I think what they specifically filmed could have been cut down a little bit and, and, and just a little bit of fat trimmed. Yeah. But his perform. So the, the only real thing I had, I had seen him in prior to this was Lovecraft Country, mm. which is very, very different than anything like this. And it's in, especially for the, the, job he had it's a very serious dramatic role um, okay so getting to just watch him play the whole time was really cool yeah um i i was impressed with him as as an actor through that but i think i'm also happy that we don't necessarily have to travel with that version of himself right the entire time yeah yeah, I, I, like I said, I sort of figured out peripherally who, like, that he was Kang just from casting and, and going down those connections and those bullet points and stuff. Um, 
and I thought he did really good. I liked the, like, for as weird and sort of crazy as he seemed to play it a little bit, like, lost his mind type of thing. Yeah. Um, I still think he hit some good comedic beats, which I liked. Like, he was still funny. Like, just mm-hmm. a dry sense of humor funny, and I dig that. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see the difference between the other versions of him that we will eventually see and how they're played, and if it's much more serious and, like, I am the villain, I am the ruler, this is me being a badass type of stuff. Like, I wanna, I'm, I just want to see all those versions. I think it'd be fun. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have too much else to add for this episode, too. Like, I think, Josh, like you mentioned, it's sort of, like, bookends nicely with episode one, just the pacing of it slows down, and it's much more dialogue and, and conversation. And I actually think between... Those two episodes, those are probably my favorite of the series. Like, I like the very well-witty, smart-written dialogue and conversations that these characters have. And I, I, it's hard to tell for me which one I liked better, but I think episodes one and six, I think, are at the top of my list, followed probably by, like, five after that. I think all the Lokis and stuff were fun. But I think, like, ranking, that's sort of where I'm at for the episodes. I think you get the most information. Then. And, I mean, for a lot of people that are into these movies and the shows and all that that's something we're kind of starved for in some scenarios yeah answers and exposition and information and i think you just know, having the lo- balls to break the multiverse in this show like i really didn't think it was going to happen so that surprised me and i dug that um trying to think of anything else well all right so we've covered pretty much the show is there anything that we didn't cover you guys want to address now that we're at the end of it all Otherwise, I mean, we we'll did sort of not talk about up. Alligator Loki. We, we just, did not. Is there anything you um, need to say about Alligator, alligator Loki? Oh, fuck yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, seriously, like, the first time I, you know, that it popped up, I didn't even notice it. And then I saw, like, somebody post it somewhere, and I was like, wait, there was an Alligator Loki? Uh, I like, the still shot look. of all the Lokis standing over him and stuff, yeah. Yeah, like, I didn't even notice it was there, and I was like, holy shit, there is an Alligator Loki. So did anybody notice, I saw the director talk about this, is that shot, the end credit shot of, like, Loki waking up on the ground and then the Loki standing over him, it's supposed to be an homage to Avengers. When the Avengers are standing over Loki when he's on the ground after being defeated and stuff like that. So I thought that was cool. Like, they tried to position it exactly the same of him up on his elbow, trying to get back up. And the way they framed the Lokis was supposed to be like the Avengers. So I thought that was cool. Um, One other thing I was, I just thought it was kind of funny and i don't know if this was a director choice like a character choice or if tom hiddleston just kind of leaned into this more but did did anyone else feel like the loki's hair flips were just excessive <laughs> like i feel like i should have counted them but i felt like there were a lot like it like i noticed them a lot more than anything else in this series <laughs> I, I wouldn't say they were a lot i went back and forth like especially when we watched the uh making of special the week after it finished yeah i couldn't tell how much of this time around was Tom Hiddleston's own hair? Because in some of the making of stuff, it's either he's doing a lot of like choreography training in the wig. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't know why you would need to do that or it's his own hair. But at other times I'm like, that doesn't look like hair. It looks like a wig <laughs> like on the show. And at times when he was doing a lot of hair flipping and, and it became noticeable, I'm like, why didn't they just, like, fix the wig? <laughs> like, like use your artificial hair in a way that doesn't cause your actor to have to do that so much. 
That's that's why I'm wondering if it was a conscious choice. Like someone is like someone loves the hair flips. Just fucking lean into it and let's do it. <laughs> I, I mean, for all we know, there could be some behind the scenes story about that that we don't know. Like I don't know if it's just like let's see the women swoon when you flip your hair or something like that. <laughs> could be, or, or maybe that maybe there was a side bet. How many hair flips right can he now. fit into the series? I could pull one up right now into this office where I'm recording and have it verified live that that it worked. The sw- the hair flipping swoon? That it was all effective, yeah. Yep. So they're playing their audience. That's all it is. So, conscious choice. So, Josh, yeah, Josh, you know what? If you rewatch this series, mm-hmm. tally up the hair flips. I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so just sort of wrapping up, uh, what did you think of the series overall? Good, bad, like it, hate it? Like, I feel like we're all generally pretty positive on this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, again, I, I thought this was going to be like a nice little self-contained, continuing Loki adventure because everyone loves Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> um, so it definitely got, you know, bonus points in, in my book for figuring out a way to incorporate him and some storyline as i said yeah. you know to to be the catalyst for something else yeah uh mike i i would say i don't want this to be a critique of it when i say it because i have enjoyed all three of the live action series so far very very much but of the three it's probably my least favorite that was going to be my follow-up um, question is, where do you rank it among the three? Okay, but it's not because I don't like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's like that difference between saying, like, I, I'd give it, like, a nine, but it still ends up being my third favorite. Yeah. You know, like, I really enjoyed it, but the, I like the other two better. Yeah. So far. Um, and... I, yeah, I, I feel like if they just keep right on down this path with the shows that they're doing, they've got me hooked for the shows at least. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that this is the one that above the other two, like already got renewed for a second season. I thought for sure we'd be getting a season two for Falcon and Winter Soldier. WandaVision, I guess I can understand that was a little bit more self-contained. Uh, but I didn't expect this one to be like, yes, season two is coming. Um, well, I guess it, it depends on the story function that the characters need to serve. Right. If if what they did with Falcon Winter Soldier got you to the point where they can then take it from there without the need to do any additional story filling at any point centering around those two wherever we right. find them at the you know whatever point in the future then you know yeah you 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 don't need it. Well I guess you know yeah, and- the other side of it too is like Sam and Bucky could continue into the movies easily enough. That's part of what happens. They can go to the movies and transition. We can get another Captain America movie and they're both in it fine. Loki is the weird exception where, as far as the the main MCU is concerned, he should not exist. Right. So they have to play him like peripherally to the main unit. It's just like why Coulson got relegated to TV and never brought back to the main MCU. And the same thing I think is going to be happening with Loki, where if you want to continue stories with this character, it's going to have to be in the show. And because it's, it's, it, it's something that needs to be addressed. If he shows up in the MCU proper, like in the main timeline, like characters that have seen him die now have to be given, like deal with what the hell happened? where did you come from? You don't exist anymore. And granted, that's a fun thing to have to play with. Like, I'd like to see that if they go that route. I just don't think they will. I think they're probably more than likely going to avoid that and keep him relegated to his series. 
Well, I, I think it's also something to note that I don't think Marvel Studios really has to go to Disney and ask to renew something. I think it's just a matter of, hey, we need this to be done for the story we want to tell. And Disney's right. like, yeah, okay, go ahead. We don't care. You're the reason we're making so much damn money right now. Right. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, too. Um, so I, I think it's just a matter of the story. I don't think it's... Like, it surprised me that they renewed it. Yeah. I guess you could say that there was a second series coming that they announced it at the end of that. Um, Because I didn't honestly expect them to do that. I would have figured, you know, announcements of new seasons coming and whatnot would have been more of a convention kind of thing. Or a... Oh, uh, right. Yeah. What is it? D23 or whatever right. it's yeah, called? Yeah. Something like that where they announce that stuff just for the hype that they can generate with that. Yeah. Um, but overall, I mean, I, I did like this series also. I think it struggled from some pacing issues. I think it kind of bogged down for me in the middle, but overall, yeah, I did, I did really enjoy it too. Um, I, I do agree with Mike. I think this is my least favorite of the three. Uh, I, I still think, I don't know why, but I still feel like Falcon and Winter Soldier is, is the, my favorite right now. WandaVision is really cool just for the weirdness of it and like the mystery of like what the fuck is going on. Loki had some of that too, where I wanted to know the mystery, but it didn't, I don't feel like hook me as hard as like WandaVision did. Like WandaVision was like, Mm -hmm. I had to get to the next episode as soon as fucking possible because like of all the shit that it set up and was going on. Um, This one I wanted to know, but I didn't feel like I was like there right when it released all the time to be like, okay, I need to digest this right now. Um, But yeah, it was, it's very good. I do like the, the weirdness that these shows get away with. Like WandaVision and Loki are both weird fucking shows. And I like that this series can explore that part of it that maybe the movies can't. So I'm I'm digging the direction that these series go. I think that's kind of cool. And I feel like that, that that's something that I have wanted to see from comic book movies for a long time. For for so long, it was just like that want to see them stay true to the comics as opposed to trying to make everything realistic like they did for so long. Yeah. Like, for a long time with comic book movies, it felt like they were really trying to lean into, but how can we make this believable? Or how can we make the costumes? Or whatever. And and then finally they lean into more of the art aesthetic of comic books. Right. And then not long after that, they lean more into the literary aesthetics of it and telling the stories as well. And now letting them also be weird while keeping the other two things in place. Right. I think I feel like they're kind of coming full circle on what comic book entertainment translated to live action entertainment, I guess you could say, can be. Right. Um, Josh, since Mike and I sort of addressed it, out of the three shows we have so far, WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, and Loki, where do you rank them? Or I guess where does this rank with those? This is going to sound like I'm taking the easy way out, but <laughs> these are like all three of them so far have been like apples and oranges to me. So, so hard to I, compare and rank. Yeah, honestly, like I, I, I like each of them for certain reasons and I have my critiques of each of them for certain reasons, but I don't necessarily know that I would really, for me, be able to say that I like one more than the other, to be honest. Fair enough. Um, one little thing I would add just a bit to the you know, idea of it getting a, a, a second season is that where in the hell is that going to happen? 
Like we right. already know like the next five to six movies that are coming out. We have release dates for them. And I'm trying to look real quick just on Disney plus, like you said, uh, what if starts now we got a release date for Hawkeye, which is in November. I think mm-hmm. we have Ms. Marvel, uh, she Hulk moon Knight, armor wars, secret invasion, iron heart, well, I think it's going to come down to when do we think it's going to be resolved, like, in the movies. Like, I feel like the movies right. are going to get the side effects of all this stuff for a while. So, like both, so how far is that an... going to last? Exactly. So, like, how f- from from a actual physical, real-world production standpoint to, you know, when is, it, when, when is it going to happen? And where does it seem like it makes sense to insert it in the material release yeah. for it? for it to make sense in in the part of the story they need to tell at that time in the middle of everything else that they like we they've already officially announced that they're doing right yeah i mean i wouldn't expect it for at least a two years year and a half at the earliest maybe and i i'd I'd be shocked if it was even that soon yeah because i'm i'm losing track of when the movies are coming out anyway but i feel like most of phase four movies probably have to be done by the time we get Loki series, like season two. So that's got to be, what, two yeah. years? I, I mean, because of the delays... We have no idea how long get... Phase 4 is. Well, yeah, I True. guess we usually we bookmark it with a... or bookend it with, like, an Avengers movie, which there's no Avengers movie coming out that we know of. So, yeah, it's hard to tell where Phase 4 ends. Yeah, yeah and said so with, with COVID delays, we're getting four MCU movies in five months this year. Love it, love it, continue. <laughs> and then by what the first six months or whatever of next year, I think we get Doctor Strange. Um, Black Panther is next summer, I think. Captain Thor's Marvel early 2 next year, supposed too. To be next summer. Thor. Uh, Ant Man and the Wasp is early 2023. So, I mean, we already, like, we're getting a shit ton of movies in a short period of time but that's also like way more than typically exists in in what they've established as a, as a typical phase yeah um and then throw in all of these ancillary stories with these series i uh, yeah i have no idea where the demarcation line is well, anymore and the phases keep getting longer if, i mean if you look at phase one you had what five there movies? was there was six in each of the six. first two and then yes to be and fair then, then there was like 11 in yeah, three like phase three was enormous and i feel like phase four is shaping up that way yeah if it's even gonna be phase four we don't know if they're keeping the same kind of path for yeah 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 that's kind of the you moniker know. that the internet and us like you know i don't feel like feige has said this is phase four who has been the the no. one labeling everything so it's not labeled that way in disney plus oh phase okay. one two right. and three are and then yeah. you know these are now just kind of being put into the timeline right Mm -hmm. they're not really in their own phase yet but yeah i I don't know well nothing left to do but absorb it all wait till it comes out watch it talk about it that's what we do here (laughs) yeah uh all right any final thoughts for loki or we'll close it down Uh, said my piece all right well that's it for another mcu series uh like i said we'll probably get around to what if at some point um, I think talking with everybody, I think our next thing for our next episode is probably going to be Suicide Squad. Uh, I think most of us are caught up to that. We'll make sure 
Uh, I don't know if we'll get a full crew, full crew for that or not, but I think with it being on HBO Max, it's probably a little bit easier to get everybody for that. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully next time you hear us, we'll be talking about Suicide Squad. Uh, but that's it for us. Uh, if you've enjoyed the episode, episode, please support us. Leave a five-star rating and review. Give us a share on social media. Be sure to follow or subscribe to the show. Uh, we're on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher. Uh, hopefully anywhere you're finding podcasts, you can find us. Search us out on Facebook. Search Guy and his Super Friends or go to facebook.com slash Friends. You can leave us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. Uh, try to email us, brightguysuperfriends at gmail.com. It's there. It's live. I won't check it, but, you know, have at it. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, at BGSuperFriends. That we'll see. That I can respond to. Uh, feel free to follow me on Twitch. It's Jedi Guy, Jedi with an I, Bri with a Y. Uh, if we ever decide to do another live show, that's where we'll do it. And on behalf of Josh, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.